It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss of Business Visionary and welcome to Toronto's Podcast, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today we're with Michael Zara, who is CEO of Drone Delivery Canada. And I'm particularly interested in, in learning about the drone business. Michael, you're very entrepreneurial, but for the entrepreneurs that are here, Mike brings a little different spin to it. He's, he's one of those, once we've built something and it looks like it's going to start making money, how the hell do we realize it? And sometimes we're technologists, sometimes we're this, sometimes we're that, but we're not necessarily the guys that line up all the dots uh, and make the things happen. Whereas Michael's background is both as an experienced and I would say an early stage CEO who has to be entrepreneurial, but we, we, it's kind of a good way to talk about, you know, not messing it up, knowing when to bring somebody in to make it successful versus take it down curves that it shouldn't go. The dreadful pivot scene, which, which happens way, way too much. But for our audience, you know, just tell, t- tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, why you've arrived, where you've arrived. Sure. So um, I'm uh, by academic background. I'm an electrical engineer. Uh, I did my MBA after that and then did a professional logistics designation. Uh, mm-hmm. So a good fit for, for this business. Um, I've worked uh, mostly in, in large companies such as Motorola, Alcatel, uh, Schlumberger, uh, where I was the president, Yahoo, where I was the president. Prior to this role, I was the uh, president of Staples Business Advantage, which was the, the B2B side of, of Staples. So fairly broad experience. Every company I've been to has been a completely different industry, which is uh, an interesting perspective to bring because you bring a little bit of expertise from uh, from a, a broad range of, of vertical markets. So do you count yourself as an entrepreneur or do you, or do you not count yourself? I mean, I'm just curious, you know, try and get this synergy going between entrepreneurs and, and the operation side of the business? So I, w- I would say that I have the characteristics of the entrepreneur, but I've got the 30 years of experience working for large companies and I can balance um, you know, understanding what it takes to bring a, a small startup to a full scale uh, company and, and driving revenue and, and ultimately profitability uh, and all the things and processes and procedures that are needed but also being cognizant of not wanting to bring wanting to bring the bureaucracy and, and silos and and these sort of things which are cliche from from large companies. So bringing the best practices from large companies and the discipline and the, and the governance and these sort of things, but mm-hmm. without slowing down a company that's small and needs to stay nimble. Tell everyone a little bit about the, the company you're in, because as as I was just saying to you, the technology is important but it's definitely a change industry that you're in. Sure, so the company is called uh, Drone Delivery Canada and we are a drone logistics company. So it's not just about the drone, we sell a full turnkey uh, drone uh, delivery logistics infrastructure solution. And we've got drones and depots they fly between and the software that brings it all together. So it's a real full turnkey system. Mm -hmm. And when I started with the company, Basically, the, the technology, the first phase of the technology had been developed. Regulatory approval was received for one of the four drones in our fleet. So I, I think the, the founders who are still with the company in, in varying roles 
one of them was four founders, one of them was actually the CTO, obviously intimately involved in the technology back then and, and still now. They felt that the technology was at the point where we could now start thinking about going to market. Technology was in place, regulatory approvals were in place. What do we need to do to go get customers? And, and you know, once you've got customers, you need to start hiring employees so you can execute and then building all the processes and HR and finance and project management and health and safety and these sort of things. So really, I think the trigger for the, for the founders was technology's done, uh, ready to go to market. So let's bring in somebody who can take us to market, who understands all those functions. Okay, so you told me that there were you know, 12 to 14 people there when you arrived. I mean, on an organizational level, without being too siloed, I mean, what does someone like you look to do organizationally? So the first thing I did was obviously understand the business and the industry and that sort of thing and where we wanted to go, talking mm -hmm. about what their vision was and, and make sure that that vision made sense and, and their vision needed to be tweaked a little bit. They need to inject a little bit of reality to it because not every entrepreneur is necessarily grounded in, in reality. Sometimes they're, they're visionaries and dreamers, which is good. It's not a bad thing, but sometimes you need to dial that back and inject some, some reality into it. So my first uh, tasks were really to build out a strategic plan. How are we gonna go to market? Who was our customer? What markets are we gonna go to? What is the org chart gonna look like today? What's the org chart gonna look like tomorrow? What supporting functions do we need like HR, finance, you know, occupational health and safety, sales, marketing, and these sort of things. So really building a strategic plan was, was day one. They had done that to a certain extent because you know we'd IPO'd and they you know done that with shareholders. More of an operating strategic plan is what I did first. This is a financing strategic plan. Right. It's a big opportunity. You know, where do you see yourself and see the company in the next five years? Does it stay in Canada? Does it go global? Sure. So over the last year, I've been with the company about a year and a quarter, a little more than that. Over the last year, so we have done the strategic plan. We built out all the departments and, that we needed and we fully commercialized the business and we started to sign customers with our uh, commercial partner that we signed uh, Air Canada uh, last year. So now we're now we're implementing, we've implemented our first customer, which was actually gonna go live probably a week from now. So this interview is exciting. <laughs> very, 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 very exciting. It's our first mm -hmm. implementation of our first revenue. So, uh, you know, where the company is gonna go over the next little while. So we're not just building the company, we're actually building the industry. I don't want to sound arrogant or naive, but I would say we're the leader in the drone delivery uh, market uh, globally, despite, you know, some of the smoke and mirrors. There's some big names there, you know, Amazon, you know, FedEx, you know, they're both there. A lot of YouTube videos that are smoke and mirrors and that sort of thing, but ours is grounded in reality. I've made sure of that. And so we're going to market. So where the industry is going to go, uh, first of all, the regulations really dictate what you can and can't do. So we've got mm -hmm. regulatory approval. We're allowed to fly anywhere in Canada, working with Transport Canada. And uh, there are certain rules we need to follow. Um, but within those rules, we can do whatever we want, coast to coast. So now the applications are typically going to be either uh, remote communities, First Nations communities, or rural, or even suburban, and are going to be mostly business business, B2B applications. Okay. The next phase of what you will see will start to move into suburban and then urban uh, B2B applications. And then mm -hmm. eventually you'll see consumer applications. So 
A lot of the videos you see from Amazon and Google and others about dropping off a coffee or a sandwich to somebody's rural home in Australia, that's nice. They make for a great YouTube video. The business model is really not there today, but it will be one day. So it's B2B, then it's consumer. And then you know, ultimately down the road, which is still five plus years away, you're going to see people flying in unmanned taxis, but that's, that's a while away. So that's kind of what you're going to see over the next 10 years. What do you see is the biggest challenge in the future as CEO of uh, what is still an entrepreneurial startup? Let's not kid ourselves. You know. Sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're still implementing our first customers right now. So right. it's still, yeah. maybe it's not startup, but it's still, you know, in that nascent phase of the industry and the company is still being new. So you know, I, I would say the, you know, my, my, my personal challenge is my, uh, my not wanting to say no. <laughs> and I, I, that's a you know that's a good lesson that everybody needs to learn, and and I always say my little saying as a, as a joke is you know if you, if you chase ten rabbits you're going to catch none, you know for something that's interesting and nascent and and cool and, and and sexy like our business we get a lot of inquiries and it's difficult to say no because some of those potential customers are big customers willing to write a check but it might not be the right fit for what you want to do what you want to do today what your vision is so. Being able to say no is a little bit of a challenge. So that's that's my personal obstacle. I would say the the, the company. I don't know if it's really an obstacle. It's, it's we live in a regulatory uh, framework, just like pharmaceuticals or healthcare or anything like that. It's it's regulated as it should be. I, I you know some think the industry is not moving forward fast enough. I think it's moving at the right pace, but we can't move any faster than what the regulations are. So from a technology point of view. I've got a, a, my largest drone is a Condor. It can take five, 400 pounds. So I can easily fly somebody from, you know, from where I am in Vaughan to downtown Toronto. So the technology is there, but I, I can't do that within the regulatory framework. So we've got to sort of move at that pace. So you, you've worked in big companies as well as this, this sort of entrepreneur, more entrepreneurial environment. Uh, when faced with kind of those unexpected challenges, have you kind of worked out the process? Or just it's always good to hear this because you learned, you know, our listeners learn so much from others in terms of hitting those challenges. People have numerous ways of dealing with it. Sure, I mean, and I've worked for some big companies. I was president of you know Schlumberger in, in Canada, which is a big oil and gas company, and a couple hundred thousand employees globally. And you build a business plan, and you you can stick to it. Or other businesses like. Staples where I was, which is you know, a fairly mature business and you can do a forecast and a plan and it's probably going to be accurate plus or minus a couple percent. Um, for us, we tend to say, you know, we're going to stick to the plan, but it's very different in a small company, especially multiplied by the fact that we're in a new industry. So mm -hmm. although we've got a plan, we tend to refresh that plan on a regular basis, at least quarterly, because new things happen regulations change, you know, what we're seeing in the world with coronavirus is a perfect example. We are a perfect use case for what's happening right now. And we've had- you know, I was thinking that when I was looking through doing my research. Yeah. And as of today, we've got an increase from, uh, from medical authorities saying, you know, can we use drones to deliver you know, drugs to people who are at home or blood tests and these sort of things, and, and we can. So, that's not part of our plan, but we need to be able to pivot and be nimble, which I think a small company can do better than a big company. So we tend to say stick to the plan, but we know the plan is is pretty fluid, as is the industry. 
What's your biggest challenge in the future then? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're, uh, I mean, we're well financed. We've got the right people. Uh, we're publicly traded. Um, we're well respected in the investment community. Uh, we're well respected globally for our technology. We've got a great relationship with Transport Canada. So I don't really think there's any major obstacles other than, and I hesitate the word obstacle, but other than really just the pace of which the regulations are moving forward. I, I do think they're moving forward at the correct pace. But like I said earlier, the technology that we have can allow us to do more than what we're allowed to do. So we just need to move at that pace. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? My 20-year-old self, that, that's interesting. You know, I, I don't know that I would have changed a lot. I'm, I'm pretty happy with uh, with my career. Um, I, I think um, I'm, I'm 55 now, so that's, you know, 35 years ago. A lot's changed in then. Mm-hmm. Bought some different stocks or, or whatever. I would say uh, I'm, I don't know that I would change much. I, I think uh, I learned some lessons along the way. I've had some good coaches. I've always worked with uh, industrial psychologists for myself and my team to make us self-aware. So I, I think I've learned a lot of good lessons along the way. I think one mistake that that people make and I have made and, and, and you know many years ago is is remembering it's not just about the numbers. There are people behind the numbers. Um, you know, recognizing the people and, and, and the culture. I think we tend to underestimate, you know, people who are maybe a little lower in the organization, who are not privy to everything that's going on, that they they need to, you know, be recognized. They need to, you know, feel a sense of accomplishment and their objectives, how they move the company forward. So these are some of the lessons I learned along the along the way. With that, with that in mind, you know, thinking about those coaches and various other things, What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Interesting. I, I would say um, just re- remember the people behind the numbers, like I said. I mean, it's it's really easy, especially if you're in the tech space, you're focused on the technology. I'm stereotyping, and I'm, I can do that because I'm an engineer. Uh, but, you know, you know, engineers, and if I just stick to tech companies, you know, engineers and tech people aren't always the, you know, the ones who are focusing on the people. You know, it's easy to get tied up in the technology, get tied up in the financials, get tied up in the capital markets and these sort of things. But, you know, you need to take care of the employees and they will take care of the customer, which is what's going to take care of the company. So, you know, whatever whatever way you want to say that, there's a lot of other sayings that are not mine, like, you know, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if you focus on the culture, if you focus on employee engagement and attraction retention, I, I think the other things will will be part of the uh, picture. Maybe the end of that should be and improves execution as well. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. you know. Just some rapid fire questions. So you don't, you don't have to spend too much time. If you weren't doing what you do for work now, what would you be doing instead? I think I've always been interested in, in technology as, a, as an engineer. So I think it would be something in the tech space. I think uh, I've always looked for something that was uh, unique, like I said earlier, every job I've, I've taken has been a completely different industry. So I always like to try something new, and, and this is pretty new. So I think it'd be something in the in the emerging market space. What books are you currently reading, listening to, and what would you rec- books would you recommend to to the audience? Yeah, it's interesting you ask that because as a small company, we've got some managers who are very new to management. They might have a small team, like you know, four or five, six people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first management job, and I always go back to some of the the older books in terms of uh, crucial conversations, 
uh, you know, things about, you know, coaching people, about taking care of your team. There's a book mm -hmm. a long time ago, uh, it's very old, called Gung Ho, uh, which is sort of some parables and analogies about, you know, taking care of your people. That's mm -hmm. what I typically recommend to new managers. Myself, mm -hmm. I'm typically reading Harvard Business Review um, because it's got a very, very broad perspective. It could be yeah. technology, it could be, it could be, you know, culture, it could be what's happening today with coronavirus. So uh, I tend to read Harvard Business Review, but for my uh, for my new managers, it's usually something about how to engage with your employees. Are you a morning or a night person? I am definitely a night person. I uh, <laughs> I, wake, I wake up, you know, reasonably early. I tend to prefer to work at home just to avoid the traffic and mm -hmm. then get in, uh, you know, mid morning, early morning, and then uh, and then work late. So I'm definitely a night person. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? I would say inquisitive. I, I always like, I mean, my whole life, I've always liked to uh, try new things and ask the tough questions and and really explore the, the new things. That's why, you know, this job I'm in now is a, is a great fit. What's keeping you up at night these days, apart from COVID-19? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're all in isolation. I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't worry about my you know, just talking to you about uh, coronavirus, I, I don't worry about my health so much because I'm, I'm doing the proper things. Yeah. Our employees are doing the proper things. We put protocols in place. You know, what what I really think about, and I, just just to focus on on what's going on around us, is I, I worry about the little guy and how he or she are going to be impacted. You know, the big companies and even companies our size, we will weather the storm. It's the mm -hmm. guy who is the taxi driver. It's the yeah. restaurant. It's the guy who's selling hot dogs in Italy to the tourist that's not there anymore. Those people are gonna have a tough time. Yeah, my team was just talking about that. We're actually gonna, gonna do, do an initiative a little bit for entrepreneurs. So, uh, you know, just, just to help them through, give them some ideas from others. What's your most favorite place in the world? Uh, I've been to 57 countries, um, so I would say- Well, then you, you, you've seen a lot, so. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, unfortunately. You know, the favorite place that I've actually ever visited was was Chernobyl. A friend of mine who's a, a photographer, and I'm also a, a, a photography enthusiast, who mm -hmm. went there a few years ago to photograph uh, Chernobyl, actually on the 30th anniversary of the disaster, which was in 1986. So I found that to be one of the most interesting places I've visited. What are your three non-negotiables during the day? And, and they don't have to be business negotiables, just... Mike's not happy if these things don't happen. I mean, I have my own value system that I live by and, and, and these sort of things. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff I, I, I want to not see in, in the office. I, I hate silos, especially in a small company. And you can have two people and you've got politics in a silo. So, I mean, you know. I guess you grew up with silos in large companies. I, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, large companies have silos, but small companies do. But. I just, I just hate silos, I hate politics, and I just want people to own it and be accountable. So those are the kind of you know, things I listen for and, and look for throughout my day when I'm, when I'm talking to people or even on my own tasks. The last question is a bit of fun that I, that I have, and it, it's very, very topical because it's kind of a social isolation question. You know, there's a tro small tropical island in the middle of the ocean with only one phone booth, no internet. We drop you off there with no technology at all. At any time, you can use the phone booth on the island to call a boat to come and pick you up. 
How long do you last before making the call? And what would you do until then? Uh, am I alone or is my wife with me? No, you're on your own. <laughs> Does she know that I'm there? Because that would be my first <laughs> I know. <laughs> to let her know that I'm there and, and me and Wilson are okay. <laughs> um, you know, if, if I, if everybody knew I was there or the people that I cared for knew I was there, like my, you know, my mother and my wife and that sort of thing, yeah. I would probably spend a, a fair bit of time there. I haven't uh, had much alone time or even vacation time in the last little while. It's just been you know, very hectic with work. So I, I can see myself spending a, a fair bit of time. I think the trigger for me to pick up the phone is when I am uh, tanned enough that I can't tan anymore. <laughs> then I would pick up the phone. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's, I haven't had that one before. That's good. So, you know, Canada's podcast uh, is, is really, you know, entrepreneurs listening to other entrepreneurs, people thinking about being entrepreneurs. So we always like our listeners to be able to connect with, with who we interview without being, you know, too intrusive or anything. But, how can listeners find you online, maybe throw you a question? It's amazing. Some of these things, you know, people want to follow up on. Sure. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, just Michael Zara, Z-A-H-R-A on LinkedIn. And you can add me there. And uh, I'd be happy to engage if somebody has questions. Uh, other than that, if they want to learn more about our, our company and what we're doing, just dronedeliverycanada.com as well. Well, Michael, thanks for coming. Uh, really appreciated the next step in the entrepreneurial journey, if you like. And, and I think it'll be an interesting listen. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.